podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Metz. Today, we are doing our preview episode for the big one. This is the first conference game for Kansas in this season. And of course, joining me to talk about the big, the first conference game for BYU as a member of the BYU, or I'm sorry, of the Big 12 Conference. It is Trevor Levitt. He is one part of the Hype Train podcast here on the 1012 Podcast Network. Trevor, how you doing today? I'm doing all right, man. I uh, I appreciate the the introduction. I don't know if I've ever really gotten one of those before, so this is uh, this is new territory for me. Hey, you know what? We got to do things right over here on the Rock Chalk Pod. So, <laughs> um, so let's go ahead and start. Obviously, BYU, their first season as a member of the Big 12. Haven't played a Big 12 game yet, but what is it like going into a season knowing you are part of one of the premier conferences in the nation? Yeah, it's um, w- words are hard to come by. I think I- I've grown up a fan my entire life. I've uh, been going to home football games since I could remember. Um, and so seeing them go through the Mountain West and then kind of tread those waters that were the independence era and now watching your favorite team move to a conference that I've personally loved watching over the years. I've had, you know, a blast watching the Oklahoma States, like the Oklahoma, Texas teams, like TCU, all these teams that I've loved watch watching over the years, like to be able to finally join them, like what a cool experience, right? Like, the big 12 commissioner, like the big 12 as a whole deciding that, that my team, this team that I've supported this team whose school I attended, you know, they decided that they belonged at the table with the big boys. It's uh, it's, I don't know, as a fan, I just, I love that for the team itself. And then of course it makes my viewing experience a lot, a lot better as well. Uh, seasons don't end after one loss uh, like they did in the independence era. Uh, Cause you still have a conference race. Uh, to go after so it's it's been a fun ride up to this point and big 12 fans have been amazing uh especially social media i know this week we've met a lot of kansas fans and they've been they've been wonderful um so it's just been it's just been all around a very good experience up to this point yeah i mean being a you know a a kansas fan living in kansas city but also a member of the uh, lds church and so a closet byu fan as well it's been nice to have them both now in the same conference. Um, I always told myself, it's like, you know, I used to always have a second team in the conference that I really rooted for when Colorado was here. It was, it was Colorado because I almost went to Colorado. Um, but instead now, now it's BYU. I can root for BYU. And of course I, you know, being over on the ten twelve, I try to root for all of the big 12 teams just because it's, it's good for the conference to have a lot of good teams. So, um, but you know, Obviously, some new blood, some new teams that are in here, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and uh, UCF. But uh, what have your impressions been so far of just kind of the way everything is is working out? You know, like, have you noticed a difference in the way that people talk about BYU because they're a member of the conference? Well, I mean, I think one of the biggest things I've noticed right away as a big consumer of college football is the amount of commercials that uh, players or highlights of my team show up in. Uh, I think as I grew up, I realized I was like, wow, like every team that they ever show highlights for in these ESPN commercials, they're all power five teams. Right. Or, or Notre Dame. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And so, and so this year, like one of the commercials, 
it has like some of the flag bearers running out the BYU flag field. And, and every time I see that, it's like that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's pointing at the TV. Right, uh, right. That's me. Nice. So that's that's been that's been the big one I think so far is uh, just a little bit more recognition and a little bit more um, I think respect just in general that shift from independence to P five I think comes with a lot of benefits. Yeah, for sure. So. All right, so so let's take a look at this BYU team. I think coming into the year, um, you know, there was definitely concern about the defense, about what that was going to look like because of the last few years. Um, and I would say the defense actually played pretty well. But, you know, obviously I think the other question was, which, which Keaton Slovis are we going to get? The one that played at Pitt last year that wasn't great at all. Um, or, you know, what I think we've actually seen. So which, which do you think has been the bigger storyline to date so far? The way that Keaton Slovis has kind of moved the offense or – the, the way that the defense is played for, for BYU. I think, I think I would be um, harassed by every BYU fan. If I didn't say the defense, uh, the way, <laughs> the way the defense has responded so far this year under the the new tenure of uh, Jay Hill, that, that hire has been so almost, I know bittersweet is going to sound really weird here, but Everything that he's done up to this point with this defense has been sweet, but it's almost been too good. Um, and that's where the bitter comes in is, well, how long are we really going to hold on to him? Uh, because the the change that he's made on the defensive side of the ball, the, the tackling's better, the the mindset of the defense is a lot better, the the pressures that we've seen already this year, the takeaways, they're all improved. And and, and that's no disrespect to, you know, the past coaching staff here. It, it's just, it was a much needed change. Um, and I think we as fans expected that, but I'm not sure, at least I didn't as a passionate fan expect it to change as quickly as it did. Um, and it's been a, it's been a day one difference. Uh, so that's, that's been the biggest storyline. Keen's Keen's been a big one as well, but the, the defense has definitely stolen the show in that department. Yeah. So, so let's go jump into the defense. Cause I, I mean, honestly, I think coming into the year, there were questions around the entire defense. I don't think there was a unit that really kind of stood out as this is going to be the strength of your defense. Um, you know, they struggled enough in the last two seasons that, you know, I, I, I talked with, uh, with uh, someone on, on a different BYU podcast who, 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 was, who was part of the network at the time, you know, and he was, he was concerned about the defense because there wasn't any good parts to point to. So what has been the strength of this defense? And at the same time, what are you still worried about in, in terms of how it's going to perform down the stretch? Yeah, I think that's, that's an excellent question. Um, so the, the biggest strength I th- I believe up to this point uh, in the season has been our, our defensive backs. Uh, Eddie Heckard is a transfer from Weber state. He came along with Jay Hill, uh, him and Camden Garrett came together uh, as teammates at Weber and then have come over and immediately started here. And And I think when you hear, that an FCS coach transfers over and he brings over his FCS guys and they are now starters. I think your initial knee jerk reaction is, Oh, that's not ideal. Right. But Eddie Heckard has been everything and more to this team. He's a, he's a leader. He's a senior on the team, but he's come in and then it's immediately brought a leadership quality that was sorely needed on the defense. Uh, he holds his players accountable, uh, but most importantly, he backs up, uh, everything that he does. He's had an interception so far this year. He had a big force fumble against Arkansas late in the game on a corner blitz. 
And and those are the the DBs in general. Jacob Robinson's another one. He had two picks in against Sam Houston. Um, they they've really done a lot uh, to kind of ease my worries because uh, coming into this year, that was the biggest, probably the biggest concern. Honestly, was the defensive backs. Could we stay with athletic receivers in the Big Twelve? Uh, could could we man up? Do we did we have to play zone? Did we have to play like a drop eight, which we had seen for like six years up to this point? And those guys have really come in and have punched way above their weight class. Um, Eddie's a special player. I, I think we, I talked about it. Uh, me and my fellow co-host Hunter Miller talked about it on our podcast that Eddie, by the time he's done at BYU might be the best corner uh, that we've ever had. And he's had one, he'll have one crack at it. Uh, so he's, he's been incredible. Camden's been awesome. And Jacob Robinson's been consistent his whole career there. So that's been probably the biggest surprise, but also the biggest strength. Um, and then I think the biggest concern is the defensive line. Uh, if you're going to be aggressive, if you're going to play a lot of, you know, one high uh, cover two kind of a man up type defense, you have to be able to get home with your defensive line because the rest of your players are dropping back in coverage. Right. Um, and the longer those plays take, uh, the more likely the offensive players are there to get open. Um, we've seen a big imp- Increase. I mentioned the pressures earlier uh, as we were talking, but we hadn't really seen a lot of payoff as far as like sacks go uh, through the first two games. We had one, um, the QB hurries had gone up drastically, uh, but the sacks hadn't quite hit home yet. Uh, but then against Arkansas, they were able to create, create a lot of four man pressure um, and came, came away with, I believe it was four sacks. Uh, that's, that's, the thing moving forward uh i'm not sure how strong arkansas's line was um and so going against an offensive line like kansas where we talked about it on our show yesterday where they've been together as a unit for about three years now can this team and this defensive line consistently create pressure up front um i believe they have the talent to do so it's just one of those things where it's now about doing it and i I just need to see it so that's that's probably my biggest concern. Yeah, I mean it's it's one thing right to go up against. I mean, I'm I'm going to be honest. A lot of people talk up what Arkansas does, but they've always been an up and down team. They were last year, you know, the, the game that Kansas played against them, I think kind of also showed how they can be really good for a half and then really bad for a half. Um and that's not something that just goes away. Like that's a team that it's kind of known for that. They're also a very run heavy team. They don't try to pass the ball nearly as much as most teams. And so I look through your guy's schedule, right? And I don't know that you guys have played a team that is as pass happy as the Jayhawks are. And it's weird to say that when they have, you know, four really good running backs and two guys that are probably, you know, first team caliber. Um, but gosh, like Kansas loves to run it. They love to chuck the ball down the field and then use that as a way to open things up for the run game. Um, how worried are you about the ability of Jalen Daniels to be able to throw the ball down the field and, you know, spread the ball around to so many different receivers and find holes in the deep. Like how much are you worried about this being a significant step up pass protection or pass defense wise? Um, I think, I think I do. I mean, anyone you, you go against Jalen Daniels, you're going to have just concerns in general. He's a, he's a special player. Um, he makes plays with his feet makes plays with his arm. Um, it's, he's not one of those guys where like he leans more one on uh, more on one than the other. Um, and that makes him, I think, a, we talk about true, like a dual threat quarterback. Uh, he encapsulates that. Uh, and so you're always going to have 
he's he's the guy that keeps the defensive coordinators up late at night, right? So, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, so, <laughs> I think there's always concern there, right? But the I think the thing that does give me a little bit of confidence is with the ability to run, with the ability to pass. I think the unit that's going to be asked the most of in this game is going to be our linebacking core. And they're, they're some of the best and the deepest that BYU's ever had. Um, Max Tooley is going to leave as probably one of the best linebackers that BYU's ever had. Uh, the pride of Bountiful, where I reside now. Um, so we're proud of him here. Uh, AJ Vonkachan, he's a transfer from Utah State. He's, he's been incredible. Uh, ben Bywater, since his freshman year, has been really good. Uh, they're going to have to play one of their best games, uh, be able to help either with a QB spy or some sort of contain uh, on Jalen Daniels, but also be able to kind of drop back um, and hopefully get an, underneath uh, some routes uh, that hopefully, I guess not for you, but hopefully for me that Jalen doesn't see, right? <laughs> so um, it that's, I think with that core being as deep as it is, uh, that does give me a little bit of hope there. Um, but anytime you go up against a, a talented player, especially at the quarterback position with how much influence it has on the game, there's definitely, there's always going to be concerns there. Well, and not only that, but you know, you can have a super deep and very talented linebacking core, but you can only have so many of them on the field at a time. So it's not sure. like, you know, having eight linebackers that are really good that can, that can all, you know, play from sideline to sideline. You, you're probably only putting three or four of those on, on the field at, at a single time. So um, you know, I, I am, I am kind of curious because the way you talked about it, you know, the, the defensive line kind of being an issue. I mean, I look at the stats here and it seems like BYU is fairly good against the run. Um, but maybe that's just my eyes deceiving me because I mean, like I did see that Arkansas put up 177 yards on the ground, but they also had quite a few rushes in that game. Uh, if I remember correctly, they, yeah, they ran the ball 40 times or 39 times, you know, so they averaged four and a half on the ground. Um, but that was just Arkansas. Like, it seems like this is a team that is fairly good at stopping the run. Is that actually the case or is that kind of just the narrative that's been thrown out there right now? No, I think, I think this team is very good at, at, um, stopping the run. I I mentioned that linebacking core, but the, the biggest thing that Jay Hill, I think brought to this defense was the level of physicality that we haven't had in a while. Uh, it's a team that fights to get to the ball and they've, they've been really good at it. And something that's improved drastically from last uh, season through the off season to this season uh, is the ability to tackle uh, there. There's kind of this, I, I wish I could say it was a joke, but at one point I believe last year, the players were sent through what they called tackling school. Uh, it was like a mid season thing that the defensive coordinator. Interesting. Yes. Uh, they finally, as, as my friend Joe mentioned a couple of weeks ago, tackling school finally got accredited, uh, and, and we're seeing the, the perks of that now that I tackling... have to admit when you said tackling school, I thought about it in the, and, and please tell me you actually know this reference, Bobby Boucher talking about tackling fuel. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Oh, good. Yeah. I, I was like, I was like, that's one of those movies that I think everybody's seen, but then again, I'm also, you know, a lot older than a lot of people that I talk to. And so <laughs> I mean, they may not get the reference, but yeah, I, I was, was imagining it in that voice, you know, tackling school. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's the tackling has been much improved. Uh, the level of physicality has increased. And I think a lot of success stopping the run starts there, uh, being able to beat uh, whether it's one-on-one 
uh, a one-on-one block uh, or to be able to get through, um, you know, whatever players coming downhill to, to try and take you out of the play, that's improved a lot. And I, and I, that's definitely shown itself over the last couple of games. Um, so it's, it's, it's been, a, it's been a, honestly, the defense, like I said earlier, it's been a huge improvement. But it, it definitely sounds like the, the most impressive has been the linebackers because they're involved in both the, both the rushing and in the, you know, passing. Um, I, I guess, how worried are you about the defensive line being able to get pressure that they need to get? Like, is it, does it usually take BYU stunts or blitzes or a bunch of other things to actually get that pressure? Or are they able to get that with just their down linemen? Um, that's where it gets interesting because I, Jay Hill is very creative. Uh, and so like the, like I mentioned earlier, the sack, the force fumble from Eddie Hecker came on a corner blitz. Uh, they dropped one of their down linemen into coverage. So they still only rushed four, uh, but one of them was the DB coming off the end. Um, towards the end of that game uh, against Arkansas, there was a lot of four man pressure, uh, Tyler Batty, especially. And uh, Blake Mangelson was another who were especially effective at getting towards KJ Jefferson and creating a lot of pressure there. And I think notably as well, getting a lot of holds, um, if they can continue to do that, I think that Jay Hill will kind of just let the defensive line go and do their thing and, and let everybody else drop back into coverage or do whatever it is that they need to do. Um, can they do that consistently? Honestly, I don't know. Um, that's probably, like I mentioned earlier, my biggest question mark coming into this game is I, I'm just not sure. Um, Tyler Batty has been around for a long time and he's, He's very talented, uh, but that's been something that up until this year, um, really up until last Saturday, we hadn't seen kind of that level of production, that level of pressure created. So I'm hoping that he can ride that momentum, but I just, just full transparency, my guess is as good as yours. I I think he can. Uh, We just have to wait. (laughs) We just have to wait and see. Yeah. So final question, I think for the defense, um, I'm, I am just curious because Kansas does play like to play a lot on the sidelines, which is not something you typically see from a, a, a team, especially a team that can run it as well as they can. Um, how, how, I guess, how confident are you in the ability of this BYU defense to play from one sideline to the other? I, I'm that I am confident in uh, the ability to cover sideline to sideline has been drastically uh, improved over this this off season and just through these first three games. Um, Max Tooley is physical. Ben Bywater is physical. AJ Bongachan is physical, but they're also very fast. AJ especially has a, has a gear that I haven't seen at BYU in a couple of years. Um, and so I would rely heavily on him, you know, getting to those plays in the outside and, and stopping runs before they break off big. Um, a lot of that too comes down to like proper angles, angles of attack towards the ball carrier, um, which at the beginning of the Arkansas game, we didn't see, which is why they broke off that 55 yard touchdown to open up the game. Um, but since that play, uh, the angles and the pursuit was a lot improved. And I would imagine that that's probably going to be a point of emphasis this week with the team speed that Kansas has. Uh, so that, that I am confident in that I, that I've seen enough to say, yes, I, I feel good about that. 
That's completely fair. You know, though, there is one thing that I'm sure everybody can agree you've not seen enough of, and that is the fantastic vintage shirts from our sponsor here on the podcast, Charlie Hustle. The Charlie Hustle Clothing Company is a vintage uh, clothing company based here in Kansas City that talks, or I'm sorry, that has uh, fantastic vintage collegiate apparel. They have more than 30 different schools. Honestly, they have some of the best stuff that I've ever seen. Um, look, they have all the lo- all the slogans and all the logos that you are expecting to see from your school. Um, you know, Kansas has a great Beacom Hawks uh, t-shirt. There's the Jalen Daniels t-shirt. There are so many t-shirts that are over there that are just absolutely fantastic. But because they're so great, they're also extremely popular, which means that they sell out pretty quick. So go on over to charliehustle.com. Make sure you go and find the t-shirts that you really want to be the best dress fan this entire season. Um, you know, if they're out of something, you actually can have them notify you when it comes back in stock. I've done that with quite a few things. So I'm, I'm hoping that I'll be getting those emails pretty soon here. But if you go over there, use promo code 10, 12, 15, that's the letters T E N the numbers one, two, one, five, that will get you 15% off of all non-sale items that are in your cart. That's not a one-time use. That is a, as many times as you go to buy stuff. So make sure you keep that in mind for Christmas shopping. Cause I can guarantee you're going to have plenty of people on your list that are, you know, huge sports fans of some of the teams that they have there. So again, charliehustle.com use that promo code 10, 12, 15 to get 15% off of non-sale items. Charlie hustle vintage made fresh. All right. I do want to switch over to the offense here, but before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the rock talk podcast. And we're back. I am here with Trevor Levitt of the Hype Train Podcast here on the 1012 Podcast Network. We are talking BYU. Just got done talking about the defense, which I'm going to be honest, that's not where I expected to go first. But, hey, I'm all for it. Let's talk about this offense now, though. Keaton Slovis had a, I think the best way to put it nicely, is a mediocre year at Pitt last year. Uh, came over to BYU. I think there was a lot of people that thought he had some good tools. The question was whether, whether he's going to be able to put it together. It seemed like a pretty slow start for him. You know, the game against Sam Houston, um, they only had two touchdowns, and I believe they were both touchdown runs. He only had like 167 yards or something like that. Is it fair to say that it just took time for him to get going, or is there something else that has made it difficult for him to really kind of have the stats that I think a lot of people expected him to have if this offense was going to be successful? Yeah, Keaton Keaton in the offense in general has been um, a little bit of a – Kind of a funny story. I think I, I was sitting here looking at some of these stats uh, before we came in and, and Keith Slovis is like very sneakily started the year off with like nine touchdowns responsible for uh, to one interception. So he's, he's found his way into the end zone. Um, but funny enough, three of those are on the ground. And up until this point in his career, he had never had a rushing touchdown. So the fact that he's found the end zone three times this year with his legs has been um different uh for him um Keaton... I, I, to be fair though i will say that uh it's probably not that hard to get into the end zone on the ground against like southern utah <laughs> like that's that's probably not one of those things that you would think that would be too difficult to do for for sure um and then you know sam houston he had a couple of there as well oh that's right they were both yeah i remember watching those and being very frustrated by the fact that the offense, the passing offense didn't seem to get going, but he would always like turn that into a really quick short run that ended up getting him in the end zone. So. Yeah, he's a, uh, that, that Sam Houston game, I think for a lot of us was very, uh, I, I don't want to say alarming. It's hard. I, I, it's hard for me to leave a game after you've been waiting months for college football to start to, 
to all of a sudden walk away from a game and be like, oh my goodness, we're in trouble only winning 14-0. Um, but it certainly was a little bit weird. That that game felt like a game where realistically there were a lot of guys, a lot of transfer guys that had never played a snap for BYU playing their first game in the Bell Edwards Stadium. And it showed. I, I believe there was a statistic. It was like 11, 11 of the 17 players that, that checked in and played a snap uh, for the offense were all brand new. Um, and I think there was a little bit of a dis- disconnect in that first game. Uh, SDU, be it an FCS opponent uh, at a tune-up game, it, it did look a lot better. And then this Arkansas game, the, the connection between Keaton and Isaac Rex is definitely there. Um, I'm interested to see what the receivers can do uh, this week against Kansas. Um, but Keaton Silvis, you asked about him specifically. I, I don't think we have Pitt Keaton. Um, partially because, as I said, he's, he's scored as many touchdowns so far in three games as he had all of last year. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we can look at, you know, no offense to him, I, I won't throw his name out there, but I think we can look at the, what the quarterback is currently doing at Pitt right now. And you can probably chalk it up to the pit offense not being great. I was gonna um, say Pat Pat Narduzzi. I've heard it say said that he's allergic to offense. <laughs> so definitely, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he's he's definitely not uh, Pitt Slovis. I, I am, I think, in some ways, looking still for freshman USC Slovis. Um, but he's definitely been well in between, if not a, above average. Um, he's, he's very accurate. The completion percentage I think is a little bit misleading. Uh, he was running for his life for the first half against Arkansas that led to some kind of errant throws. Um, but he has taken care of the football. Uh, that one interception came off of a blown assignment by his right tackle. Um, so he got hit right as he threw it and it got intercepted. I don't, I don't really put that on him. Um, so he's done a good job taking care of the football. He, he runs a very, um, Aaron Roderick play style. That's just kind of what Aaron Roderick does. He gets, brings quarterbacks in, teaches them how to protect the football. Uh, and then they go from there. And so that's been when my biggest concern for Keaton was him being able to protect the football coming into the year. Uh, that's, that's something that so far I feel like he's handled very well. All right. So, so you did talk about some of the other position players, specifically Isaac Rex, it's not very often that you see a tight end be the leading receiver. And I'm going to be honest, it's by quite a bit already this year. It's by almost 50 yards. Um, I, I am curious, though, you you talked about how you were wanting to see more from that connection with the wide receivers. Is it more of a fact that he's just in a better group with Isaac Rex? Or is the is this a team that is probably going to feature a tight end as their best pass catcher? <sighs> I wish I had a better answer for that. I do, because I think with, as I've said, the last three games, these, this offense being as kind of strange as it, as it has been, I'm not I'm not sure. I know that Aaron Roderick likes to involve uh, the wide receivers, and the wide receivers, at least last week when they were able to make plays, uh, did so in a pretty grand, grandeur fashion. Um but it's but right now, the thing that's clicking is, is Isaac Rex. He, he is one of... Um, he is one of the best tight ends that BYU's uh, had come through. He's not quite Dennis Pitta, but he's he's up there. Um, he is, I know, tied for the most touchdowns uh, in a career for a tight end. Uh, so we'll hope uh, we'll hope at least that he breaks that this week, right? But um, the rest of the receivers, 
the Arkansas secondary was a lot better than I anticipated they would be. Um, I do know, and and I might sound like a, a total biased BYU fan here, but I do know that there were a couple times when Rod Gilmore was saying, like, look at how well these defensive backs for Arkansas are playing, and they're showing the playback footage. And there was some pretty egregious holding. <laughs> yeah, not that's saying. not normal. I mean, that, that's that's fairly normal. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that that's how it was the whole game. Uh, but that was definitely something that stood out to me uh, in the broadcast. So I thought that was pretty funny. But 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 Keaton's shown that he's had a, a pretty good uh, connection, a pretty good chemistry with his with his wide receivers. So that's that's something that I expect to improve each week, frankly. All right, and so then let's let's jump over to rushing because that has been the Kansas defense's Achilles heel for quite a long time. And honestly, even this year, like they're allowing a lot more rushing yards. than I think you typically would like, um, they have a bad habit. I think of over committing on pass rushing and allowing quarterbacks to get more run yards than you would expect them to. Um, how has the rushing game been? I, I see that LJ Martin has basically been the entire rushing offense. Um, you know, he has just under 200 yards. The next closest person has 30. So, um, like, is that, is that something where you are going to just be relying on him as the one guy to really be carrying the load for rushing for, you know, the running backs this year? Or are you expecting some other guys to really kind of step up here soon? Yeah, no, I'm definitely expecting guys to step up. And funnily, funny enough, I, it's not the RB room that I'm expecting to step up. It's the offensive line. <laughs> so, so the, the offensive line, we have two returning starters, one being, uh, Kingsley Suamakia, who has been everything and more that we've anticipated him to be, um, projected first round uh, left tackle pick. He's incredibly athletic, right? Connor Pay is another one who's been very good. Uh, but the other three guys, uh, it's it's about three or four, three or four guys that are interchangeably kind of trying to find their their way in this offensive line, and I think that's definitely uh, roared its ugly head over the first couple of games. Just not really able to create much of a rhythm uh, in the running game. Just first down run, second down run, go for a couple of yards. Suddenly you're, you're third long, third and medium. Um, and, and that's been difficult. But but LJ Martin has been um, almost lightning in a bottle. Uh, just kind of this kid that came in. Uh, we interviewed him on our podcast when he first committed to BYU. Just incredibly humble. Um, but has come in day one. And provided a spark against Sam Houston. He wasn't really supposed to get a bunch of carries, but then ended up being the leading rusher there. Uh, got his first start against Arkansas and ended up having two touchdowns, one of which being the, the long run. Um, I, I think he continues to grow. And based off of what I saw in the Arkansas game, the offensive line did start having a little bit more success in, in the second half. Uh, that's something that I expect them to build momentum off of. Um, but that the run game is... I'm sure a point of emphasis uh, based off of obviously the, the scouting report you've given. Um, and so I would imagine that LJ Martin is going to probably get the bulk of those carries, but, but Dion Smith and, and Aiden Robbins, uh, I'm hoping Aiden gets more carries. He was supposed to be kind of our workhorse guy when he transferred from UNLV um, just hasn't quite worked out yet. Um, I know some of that there's been kind of rumors that he's still trying to figure out um, kind of some of the, the run plays and kind of the different, blocking schemes that way um but hoping that they can kind of pick up their end uh but until until they do i expect lj to to get the bulk of the carries yeah i mean kansas is a team you know looking looking at these two teams comparatively kansas averages about 500 offensive yards a game while while byu only averages 310 
Um, and in terms of giving up yards, Kansas gives up 275-ish, whereas BYU gives, you know, almost 325. Um, heavily skewed towards giving up pass yards for BYU, whereas Kansas is much more even. But, um, I mean, how, how worried are you about the the difference here in terms of, you know, BYU does not typically have a high-flying offense that gets a whole bunch of yards. Is that... Is there a, a really good reason for it, or is it a potential concern? Um, I I think the word I would use as far as explosive offense and what we've seen so far is more of an anomaly. Uh, this is what Aaron Roderick has done. He's he's had a top fifteen uh, def- offense as far as like yards per play, per play, points per drive since he's been here. Uh, that that's been something that he's that's been his bread and butter. They they. They get a lot of yards. They rack up a lot of yards, and so I'm I'm expecting them to kind of finally mesh um, and figure that out soon. I think the thing, the biggest thing that's changed this year for the offense is actually more the efficiency in the red zone, uh, which kind of makes up for maybe the lack of total yardage. Is that when BYU gets into the red zone, they they have a hundred percent effectiveness so far in scoring the football, um, only one of which has been a field goal. So that's that's something that I continue to believe will be a strong point for them as kind of the total yardage and the big plays begin to build up there. Um, so am I concerned yet through three games? Um, it's it's hard to be uh, when you haven't lost yet, right? Uh, so yeah. that's that's uh, that's something that I do expect to to improve just because that's something that I've seen I've seen every year from Aaron Roderick in this offense. So for sure. All right. So let's go ahead and take a look at this specific game. Um, I mean, when you look at this matchup, what is the the thing that jumps out to you first? Whether it's a big worry or a place that you think BYU has a has a a fairly good advantage that they can press, like what what is the thing that's going to define this game for you? I I think the thing the defining thing that needs to go BYU's way in this game is I I think they need to control the turnover battle. I think that's something that they've done well up to this point is they haven't given the ball away um, nearly as much as they've taken the ball away. And if you're going to stop a a high octane offense, it it needs to come by way of taking the ball away itself because they're, they're going to rack up yards. They're going to rack up points. If you allow them to maintain possession of the football. And, and that's something that, you know, I'm hoping with increased pressure with, you know, coverage downfield with these corners, that that's something that they can take advantage of. Um, If BYU doesn't have, um, isn't able to turn the ball over, I do think that this game is going to be um, harder for them to stay in. Um, Thankfully, up to this point, they've been able to force turnovers. So that's, that's probably the biggest thing, Um, which then obviously big picture ties back to the defense. Um, If you're going to, if you're going to be able to stay in a game, uh, with a big time offense, you need to be able to slow them down a little so your offense can keep up. And that's just, just what you got to do, right? You just got to be able to take care of um, making sure that the offense doesn't get the ball looking at a scoreboard that reads 21 uh, zero in, in a flash. Yeah. Yeah. Kansas has some uh, experience with those. They went down 14, nothing in two different games early last year on the road. 
but we're able to come back before halftime and, and either tie or take the lead. So Kansas is used to, you know, big swings of offense one way or another. I don't think that BYU is quite prepared for that type of game where it's a ton of scoring one way or another. Now you could say the Arkansas game was kind of like that, but it definitely seemed like I, I didn't, you know, Kansas is, is very capable of giving up 21 points and then scoring the next 35 and then, you know, giving up another 14 and scoring another 28. Like you can have huge swings one way or another with the Jayhawks. Um, I'm not sure that BYU is quite prepared for that, but the only way they're going to get used to it is by doing it multiple times in the big 12. So we'll, we'll just have to kind of see how that works out. So, um, okay. Before we get to actual predictions, there is what we like to do here on the podcast, which is our, uh, our sponsored segment from our fantastic sponsor at prize picks. Prize picks is the legal free way to play daily fantasy. Um, Typically, I'm sorry, it's the legal way to play daily fantasy in pretty much every state in the U.S. It's not, it's not free because you do have to, you know, pay an entry fee for the, for the, uh, for the actual selections that you make. But the way that it works is you pick anywhere from two to six players and look at the individual line that's been set for any particular statistic. For example, Jalen Daniels for the game coming up this weekend, the over under is 239.5 passing yards. Um, two or 26.5 rushing yards. You can pick either of those or both of those if you want. Um, you know, they have that for multiple players on both teams and, you know, we'll, we'll actually take a look at those here in just a minute, but you can go and make those picks and you can win up to 10 times the amount of money that you, that you, uh, you know, use for your entry. They have all kinds of stuff. They have NFL, NBA, college football, you know, soccer, they have you know, like e-gaming, they have, uh, I think I think they have like League of Legends as well. So they've got a ton of different stuff that you can pick from and you can mix and match and bring them all together. It's a lot of fun. I played last year and I'm looking forward to playing some more this year. I uh, haven't pulled the trigger yet because there haven't been very many Kansas ones yet because of who they've been playing. So, But we have plenty of them here. So if you go over to prizepicks.com, use promo code CHALK12, you can get a 100% instant deposit match up to your first $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com, promo code CHALK12 to go ahead and get that great deal. But we're going to go ahead and continue. I'm going to run through the lines that are set for the individual players with their statistics. And you tell me which one or two jump out to you as, you know, either set horribly. And so you can pick one really easily or set so well that you really can't make a decision which way to go with it. So Jalen Daniels, I already said 239.5 passing yards, 26.5 rushing yards, and they also have the total of 267.5 total yards. Keaton Slovis, 196.5 passing yards. They don't have any of the other ones. Devin Neal, they have 84.5 yards rushing or .5 rushing touchdowns. So basically, is he going to score or not? LJ Martin, same sort of thing, 76.5 yards rushing or .5 rushing touchdowns. And then they don't have a BYU receiver on here, but they do have three Kansas receivers. Lawrence Arnold, 48.5 yards receiving. Luke Grimm, 46.5 yards receiving and Quentin Skinner, 36.5 yards receiving. Any of those lines, based off of what you know of either of BYU or any anything you've seen from these Kansas guys, um, any of those lines really jump out to you as either really good or really bad? Um, I, I would hit the over on LJ. Uh, the rushing guards, I think I think BYU's offensive line does have a bit of a chip on its shoulder. Um, Trevor Trevor Maddich, he, he played at BYU, and, and he's he's been very vocal uh, over the last couple of weeks about his disappointment and the level of nastiness and overall physicality on this offensive line. So I, I, I think that they come into this game 
knowing full well that Kansas's rush defense has struggled in the past and uh, will want to take advantage of that. So I would I would definitely put LJ on the over there. Um, I would also probably take. I think Jalen. I think Jalen Daniels. You can take the over on the passing yards as well. Um, the rushing yards is interesting, uh, just because I feel like that is going to be something that if if Jay Hill is going to force Jalen Daniels to do something, it's going to be to throw. Not because he's a bad thrower, but I think he would much rather send his corners out there, send his DBs out there, and go, hey, go make a play and play contain have a QB spy. I think he would much rather deal with that than have Jalen Daniels running all over the place. So that's, I think you can, I think you can take the over on the yards, but I'd, I'd probably hit the under on the rushing yards. Yeah. I think if Daniels is going to hit the over on the rushing yards, because they do take sack yards into account. So right. like, or, you know, I mean, he's, he's lost yards before that what didn't necessarily count as a sack, but I, I definitely think it makes a lot of sense to try to force Jalen Daniels to beat you in one way instead of allowing him the opportunity to beat you in more than one way. And right. so, yeah, I, I do agree. I think, you know, you look at what Jalen Daniels has done this year in two games, he has 575 yards passing. Um, you know, he's doing really what well. he had 276 in one game. And then I believe 287 in the other, like he's got a ton of yards um, and, and, and I just realized that those numbers don't actually add up, but no big deal. You know, he is very efficient <laughs> throwing the ball. He's very good at looking at like looking at the field and finding the guy that is going to break open. Um, he is really good at, at anticipatory throw. So I do think that the passing yards is probably a no-brainer for him. There's only been one time that he's actually been held under that number. Uh, I'm sorry, two times. One was just coming back uh, from his injury against Texas. And then the other one was against Iowa State, who had probably a top five defense last year. So, like, it takes a lot to stop him from getting those passing yards. I'm, I'm actually... Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to jump on the Devin Neal 0.5 rushing touchdowns, go over on that. He has scored a touchdown in every single game that he's played. The only concern that I might have is that he might get two passing or two receiving touchdowns instead of a rushing touchdown. Um, he would have had two receiving touchdowns in this last game against Nevada if he had been able to get over that last yard before he got tackled. So, um, you know, it's, it's instead he has three rushing touchdowns from, from the Nevada game. So I think that's one that makes a ton of sense to me. Devin Neal is going to get into the end zone. The only way that, 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 that doesn't hit is if it's a passing touchdown instead of a rush, a rushing touchdown, but he's averaging over a hundred yards a game on the ground. Um, you know, the 84.5 rushing yards, I, I, I'm going to apologize now, but I honestly do not think that the defensive line and the ability to stop the run, uh, for BYU is better than Illinois. And he just absolutely went wild against them. He had 120 yards. Um, I fully expect him to have quite a day. I do agree with you, though. LJ Martin, I would hammer that over on yards um, because, again, I think Kansas is going to give up a bunch. They typically give up a bunch to a bunch of different players, but if a team is not going to, you know, allow or if a team's not going to run five different guys out there from running backs, then one player is going to get a whole bunch of yards, and I think LJ Martin's going to. So, all right. I, I, I agree that it's a good idea to stay away from those receiving ones, mainly because, you know, Lawrence Arnold could break a 56-yard pass, you know, at any point, like a, a catch there, or he could have six catches for 25 yards because they're all possessions on third and, like, four, and he gets five yards. So it's very difficult with the way that Jalen Daniels likes to spread the ball around for any one particular receiver. Uh, plus, Kansas has some great tight ends that also catch the ball, so there's a lot of times that they kind of vulture those receptions and those yards. Um so with all that being said, 
and kind of how we've already kind of talked about what we think that this this game is going to look like. What what do you or how do you see this game ending up? Is this going to be a close game back and forth all the way, or is one team going to find some momentum and be able to pull away at the end? It's a really it's a it's a really good question because I think this is these are, we we talked about this on our podcast the other day uh, with you that these these are two teams that are very hungry to to kind of establish themselves uh, BYU for the first time in the big 12 and, and Kansas, I would say for the first time in a while in the big 12 uh, start off big 12 conference play the right way. Um, and with that, there's going to come a lot of heart, uh, a lot of grittiness. Um, it's a, I mean, it's going to be a packed house, right? So the energy is going to be there that, that all, that all kind of builds itself into what I feel like is going to be a close game. I, I look at that, um, speaking of betting lines, I think they had Kansas set at like minus nine and a half. Or, yeah, or it whatever started, it, it opened at minus seven for Kansas, jumped quickly up to nine and a half, and then kind of fluctuated. I think at one point it got to like 10 for like an hour, um, like this afternoon, being Thursday afternoon. But yeah, it's kind of been all over the place, but hovering right around just over a touchdown favorite for the Jayhawks, which I think I was shocked initially to see it that big. But then as I looked at the yards and the way that Kansas, you know, scores and the fact that I think Kansas averages right now about uh, 15 or 16 more points a game. And obviously it's, you know, really, really uh, choice opponents at times so that you're able to run the score up on them a little bit. But, um, you know, Kansas is not afraid to just go out there and air it all out. And so it's, you know, it the real question is, is BYU going to be able to stop Kansas? And is Kansas going to be able to keep BYU from staying in the game? I, I think that's really what it comes down to. I am worried about the ability of the Jayhawks to jump on BYU early. I think he, I think if they can build a two-score lead in the first half and go into halftime up by two scores, that they can probably keep it about there. But I honestly think best-case scenario is for the Jayhawks to either be up by three or seven going into halftime. Then they come out still hungry and really need to go ahead and keep pressing so that they don't, you know, kind of sit back a little bit and allow things to happen as opposed to actually pushing them. So I'm assuming BYU wants to kind of do a similar sort of thing, but I, I do think that this is a game that on paper, I think it matches up a little bit closer than the Vegas line, but this is a Kansas team that's looking to go four and for in back-to-back seasons since ni- uh, for the first time since 1914, 1915. Um, that's like a little crazy to think about how long it's been since they've started out the season four and back-to-back years. So, um, you know, they are they are definitely hungry for this one. If they lose this game, it's not going to be because they just didn't take it seriously. But I have a hard time picking against the Jayhawks in this spot because I do think that their, de- that their offense is more established and I think that their defense has the same level of ceiling as BYU might possibly have. So I could see this game being, though, anywhere from like a three-point game to a, you know, 21-point game because it just snowballs on somebody. Yeah, I, I think... Obviously, BYU bias is probably going to leak in a little bit. Oh, oh, fair, fair. Like, fair, like you know, guilty as charged, right? But uh, they don't call us the hype train for for no reason. But I, I do think the from based off of what I've seen um, and what I saw in Arkansas, uh, this is this is a defense and this is a team that believes that they can stay and be in any game, um, and because of that and because of the improvements on the defense, I, I really think that the offense is going to click. Uh, 
is it going to be this game? I hope so, obviously, but I I don't think we've seen that yet. Uh, Fair. This is not this is not an offense that is has been nearly as efficient or nearly as explosive as as Aaron Roderick has had. Uh, and frankly, no disrespect to those in the past, but but he has better players now. So there's no reason to believe that they shouldn't at some point click and, and be able to return to kind of what we've seen. Um, for for me, just to be honest, I'm not even I'm not even guaranteeing a BYU win. I, I if we do predictions, like I probably would, obviously, because that's just who I am. Right, right. Um, but I, I look at that nine and a half, and it, and it looks a little high. I, I think that this is a game that is going to play close through throughout the entirety. There, we might get kind of an Arkansas situation where one team pulls ahead by ten, um, but then teams make enough plays right and, and the game's back at all square. Uh, so, so for me, that's for me, I think it's going to be a lot closer. Um, than, I, w- I would not be things. surprised. I would not be surprised if we got to it and one team gets a backdoor cover in like the last, you know, 30 seconds or something. <laughs> yeah. Like that wouldn't shock me at all. Like a, right? like a bat, like a bad beat. Just right. Honest. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Scott yeah. Van like Pelt. like yeah, there's yeah. a very good chance at BYUK. You might be on, uh, you know, Scott Van Pelt's bad beats on, on Monday. So <laughs> um, I just, I just think that Kansas has the ability to explode at any minute. And I think that BYU, but they also have the ability to allow another team to bog them down at any minute. So um, I think really what this just comes down to is, can one team build a big enough lead that it feels insurmountable and then, then and then they can kind of push their advantage? Um, I think it's much more likely that Kansas is able to do that than BYU is able to do that just because Kansas has a ton of experience of coming back from four or five, you know, from from uh, three or four scores and, and actually making a, ga- a game again. But I, I do, I would say that I hope all of your BYU listeners are um, – very glad that your justification, right, for why BYU is going to, you know, either stay in this game or win this game is because of what they did against Arkansas instead of what Kansas didn't do against Nevada. So um, I do think it's going to be a great game. I am definitely looking forward to it. For those that want to follow BYU and follow all your guys' coverage of them, where's the best place to do that online? Yeah, so on Twitter, uh, the Hype Train Pod uh, is where we'll be throwing out all sorts of Hunter Hunter Miller and Joe Weed have an incredible talent for funny memes and BYU related content there. Uh, we try to keep it clean. And if, it's, if there's any sort of, you know, smack talk during the game or whatever, it's, it's in good fun. It's, we never try to make it personal. Um, and then on Spotify and Apple uh, music or Apple podcasts, it's just the hype train podcast. Um, Royal, Royal background train logo with the Y on there. You can't miss us. Um, it's been, it's been a, a fun, a fun ride. We, we, we started in independence as a podcast and now here we are, uh, a P5 podcast. Uh, right, with, right. Part of a P5 and network and everything. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, Trevor, thank you so much for joining me and thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please to go out wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple podcast, Spotify, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe. Get every episode as soon as it comes out. Give us a rating and a review. Five stars and nice comments would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com 
or on Twitter at RockChalkPod. We, of course, are part of the 1012 Podcast Network covering all 14 teams in the Big 12 Conference and some, you know, little bit of coverage here and there of the new ones that are coming in next year. But you can go to 1012network.com uh, to get links to all the great shows. And, of course, you can support the entire network over at, at patreon.com slash 1012network. We have some great additional bonus coverage over there. Um, a little bit here and there, but you can support any of the shows that are in the network. So make sure you guys visit our sponsors, Prize Picks and Charlie Hustle. And that's going to do it for us today. Trevor, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.